Are you worried that recent events have derailed your retirement plans? It certainly made us reassess all aspects of ours. And that's why we're proud to offer our listeners a chance to work with David McClellan, a fiduciary financial advisor from Forum Financial. David's practice specializes in financial life coaching and retirement planning. And right now, he's offering free consultations for our listeners if you mention the podcast. As part of this consultation, David can help you understand your financial freedom number and what that means to you in assessing your future financial plans. If you want to build wealth, if you want to make optimal decisions within your financial life, David is someone you need to talk to. You can reach him at 312-933-8823. Once again, that's David McClellan at 312-933-8823. He's located in Austin, Texas, but he's got a nationwide clientele. Do yourself a favor and get some great financial advice for free and see if you might want to work with Mr. McClellan. I think you'll be happy with your phone call. Welcome back to the Everyone Gets a Trophy podcast, the special Friday edition because we couldn't get together Wednesday night or Thursday night. But that's all right. We're going to talk a little Big 12, little Texas, Kansas, and a little else, whatever else, whatever else comes up. Randy, what's going on, man? Not much. Not much. Just working my way through the week, getting excited about tomorrow. Yeah, I'm fired up. I think this is uh, first real test in conference that Texas will face, and it's at home. Uh, ordinarily, that would be really good in our favor, Texas actually hasn't played that great at home. No, I don't think that'll be the case this weekend. I think we put, I think we went pretty vanilla uh, in our first two home games. I think we'll have a, I think we'll have some stuff dialed up for this weekend. Yeah. What about um, penalties, motion, all that nerves, that kind of stuff seemed to hit us a little bit at home and not on the road. Is there something to it or you think that's just how it fell? I think that was the old want to do good gene that slipped in there. And it's like, Hey, yeah, that's great. Just trust your training. You know, I, I think that can play against you. And I've, I've felt it before. Um, you know, sometimes, you, you know, you, you come back after the big win, you get the big crowd, you got everybody patting you on the back and it's like, Hey, we're going to, you know, we're going to go out there and, you know, show up, prove all these people. Right. Basically. Um, there's a psychological element to that to where it can work against you. So I think we got that out of our system. Uh, I think Kansas definitely has our attention. Um, and I would be shocked if we don't have a, a little bit more diverse game plan for this one. When you were pitching and it was like a big game, like you were pitching at Rice or Texas A&M or something, uh, would people tell you like, hey, Randy, this is a big start. Like this is a big game. Yeah, it's, it was always, yeah. yeah. It's like, hey, this this is important. It's like, well, they're all important for one. But uh, but yeah, no, it's, that's kind of a, you know, the, the now in the fandom where I reside instead of on the other side, uh, it's easy to be like, man, do these guys realize this? You know, I mean, I know they get it. Trust like, me. Yeah, they, get it. They, realize yeah it. They, they understand. They get it. Like, they know what? where... They know where they're sitting right now. They, you know, everybody, all the coaches and everything can downplay the fact that they beat Bama. We're going into this game for an, like, no, they, they know what's on the table. Yeah. I, I, I do think that is something funny we do sometimes as fans or analysts. Just yeah. like, do these guys understand how important this game is? It's like, yes. Yeah. I think they, I think they do. It's on ABC and they're 4 0 and they're playing another team that's 4 0 and they're trying to win the Big 12 and go to the playoff and win the national title. So, yeah they're they're somewhat aware uh i don't i don't you know i don't think tonight will be the night that they choose to go out and hit sixth street till about three in the morning yeah i don't think they're going to pull a varsity blues and roll out a landing strip at you know 6 a.m tomorrow that said i do i am aware of a couple of texas football teams who have done that so yeah, i'm uh, sure it's happened i'm sure it's happened in the past I, I can think of a certain cotton bowl hey some guys might play better that way who knows maybe that's what yeah they need to get, maybe that's what hey. they need to get them going Johnny Manziel's just a dude, unless he gets his his uh, drinking and drugging on, right? Then then he's ready to play. Hey, I play. I played with a guy in pro ball that had to drink two Stella Artois at lunch <laughs> for every night start. And if he didn't get them, it was a good. He didn't. He didn't feel good. So hey, so you never. You never know. So you're running around like tiny New England towns looking for Stella Artois at the Seven Eleven or their equivalent. <laughs> I think he, I think he found a local establishment. He had but, a supplier. Uh, yeah, but uh, but yeah, no, nah, that was his deal. Two beers at lunch. Start at seven o five. 
All right. Well, I know a guy who doesn't do two beer lunches, at least not anymore. That's Gabe Winslow. He's not he's not down in a couple of Stella Artois every day at noon just to get his work on. That was the old Mad Men days. I kind of miss those days, Randy, when men could go to a three hour lunch and have four scotches and go back to the office kind of drunk. Good times. I I miss I miss those, but uh, it seems like there'd be good times. (laughs) <laughs> exactly. I missed them as well. That had, that had already become uh, passe. You couldn't do it. That was a big no-no. But uh, hey, I do. getting back to Gabe, if you are in the need of a mortgage, if you're looking right now, give him a call. You can reach him at 832-557-1095. He is really sharp at what he does. Law degree, 20 years in the industry. Uh, call him within the first minute or two after you lay out your situation. You'll realize very quickly how different he is from the other mortgage guys in terms of creativity, solutions, and making it all about the customer. I've got dozens, if not scores, nearing 100 plus uh, positive reviews from Gabe, from our listeners. Uh, Give him a call, 832-557-1095. And of course, if you need your financial needs met in a broader sense, David McClellan is the man. Uh, You're going to be able to find his information at the beginning of this podcast. Uh, David's really sharp. You know, I also, I also I always bring this up as sort of like, hey, if you need to get your financial house in order, actually, if you have your financial house in order, you should still contact him because it's very useful to get a second opinion. I'm, I'm like that. Uh, I, I'm decent in some stuff, but I always like to, to knock some ideas off people that I know are at a higher level than me and kind of get a stamp of approval. Like, I'm on the right track here. I think I'm on the right track. And sometimes it's very helpful to get a little course correction and have someone say, yeah, you're generally doing this right, but here's this, this, and this. Give him a call. You'll have his information at the beginning of the podcast, as I said. Uh, and I do that with Randy. I'll be like, hey, man, am I crazy? But is such and such team good? And Randy will be like, uh, yeah, I think they're good. Or no, they're not good. Uh, so yeah, always good to, to bounce something off someone you respect. Uh, or you know, if I have to fall back to it, I'll just bounce it off Randy. Either way. Absolutely. I was about to say, do you, <laughs> does that mean you respect me? And then I figured something was coming. So I just kept my mouth shut and let, only, you, let you land the punchline. I only respect you when I need something new at the last moment, like a podcast right before the Kansas game. There you go. There uh, you go. All right. So talk to me, man. What do you, Have you seen Kansas play at all this year? Uh, bits and pieces. <laughs> bits and pieces. I saw him play that, uh, most of that Illinois game, uh, which I think is sort of useful, but not quite. Uh, just because it was first game in this, but I think it gives you a good idea of the fact that they're still still doing what they did last year, basically on offense, multiple, you know, stress the defense in, in many different ways type stuff. Defensively, though, they've they've definitely uh, moved to a different system, um, which I don't know if you got a real good read on what they're going to do to Texas against Illinois because Brett Bielema just lines up fat guys and runs fat guys at the fat backs of the fat guys. And, you know, it's just what he does. But, um, uh, I don't, it's unpopular opinion. Probably. I don't think they're as good as people are making them out to be. Uh, I think Jalen Daniels is really good. Um, this is not a team that we should have trouble with if we play to our standard. Yeah. I, it's going to be interesting because they really haven't played anyone. Uh, so even I, football preview that I write every year, I basically said, hey, Kansas is, is going to surprise. Like, you know, the, the preseason win total in Vegas was five, five and a half. I was like, they're going to win eight. They're going to win eight games. So they're better than that for sure. Yeah. Uh, and that's going to, I mean, they're already, they're four down. Uh, I, I need them to win two more and then I'm in the money, but uh, not against Texas preferably. But the one thing I pointed to was, hey, that Illinois game is going to tell us something. Because Illinois is very physical. Uh, the old Kansas, Illinois would just run the ball on them, bully them, and run them off the field. Well, Illinois wasn't quite as – I thought they'd be respectable this year. They're, they're kind of terrible. They're not good. And though they still do have that approach, and they tried it on Kansas, and they weren't successful. You know, Kansas held the ball. Kansas was the one running the ball on Illinois. They were the guys kind of bullying them, and they sort of Illinois Illinois. They ball controlled them, held the ball for most of the game, limited their number of offensive possessions, and just pretty much dominated. So 
but I don't know how useful that was. And that was their best opponent. I mean, they played like Nevada and I don't know, Southeastern Missouri State. I mean, that's irrelevant. That's useless. I mean, Rice would beat Nevada. I'm, I'm pretty sure. Yes. So their conference game so far is BYU, right? Uh, BYU was the other one that was interesting. I think BYU is a bottom half team in the Big 12, although they did go beat Arkansas at their place, which is no joke. But that might tell us more about Arkansas than BYU. Yeah, I think you got an Arkansas team that was looking ahead a week as well. Tell us you. Yes. Yeah, I think that's a fair point. And, also I, and, don't have- and I don't think Arkansas is – I think Arkansas is on the same vein as a Kansas at this point to where I think if they dial it up for four to five weeks a year, those four to five weeks can be really good, but I don't see a sustainable team throughout the, the course of the season. Yeah, I agree with that. I think um, what did strike me about the BYU-Kansas game is that Kansas scored two defensive touchdowns. One of them was on a big hit. The murder? Uh, Yeah. Uh, With the guy knocked out basically the guy on a a little jet sweep and then picked it up and scooped and scored. That was a corner, right? Yeah. Kobe. Yeah. The direct hit hit to the head that nobody thought to throw a flag on. You know what? I'm I'm done with with it. I'm done I'm fine with, with it. Don't get, don't get me wrong. I'm fine with it. I I am completely fine with letting that go. Uh, but yeah, I mean, if you're a ball carrier and you don't have the wherewithal to protect yourself in that situation, then I'm sorry, dude. Go play lacrosse or well, lacrosse probably not the great. Play. <laughs> lacrosse, there's actually some contact. I was about to say lacrosse probably isn't the greatest example, but baseball. There's a bunch. There's a bunch of Ethan. <laughs> Ethan yeah, there you go. A bunch of Ethan Burke fans just muted me for the rest of my life that's right um yeah go play baseball that's not second base when albert bell's running that's a good point yeah you want to avoid that um yeah and then the other defensive touchdown was a pick six by kenny logan who will be starting his 50th game as a kansas jayhawk against texas that is amazing that dude's been there forever and i didn't realize this until i was reading some of the stuff earlier this week but they had him completely out of position last year right yep yeah i was writing about that yeah, it, it. I mean, it was your stuff, and then a couple other people mentioned. And just looking back on some things, it's like, yeah, that's that's not what he does. So, yeah, he's very, an enforcer. It'll be interesting to see if we choose to target that or stay away from that. With kind of the unbalanced, uh, you know, the unbalanced lines and stuff. Do do we try to get him away from our play side, or you do we? play action to his side and try to take advantage of him wanting to come up and make the big hits and hit people over the top. I, I got to think they're going to come out in some sort of shell and make us prove they can run the ball against their quote unquote improved front. Yeah, that's it. I, I think they're going to have, so there are two safeties and I kind of wrote about this in the preview. That's where we're going to attack them. Your ladder scenario you described. So Kenny Logan and OJ Burroughs are both about two ten. Uh, they run. Okay. They're just not coverage guys. Uh, they're, they're big hitters, kind of enforcers. And then they're nickel, kind of similar deal to Baylor. They're nickel, who they call the – what do they call them? Uh, you know how every team has their stupid name for their hybrid nickel linebacker? OU calls, them, OU calls them the cheetah. Do they call it the Bill, Sl- Bill Self Slush Fund? No, they do not call it the Bill Self that's Slush they, Fund that's or the they Bill should. Self Toupee or anything they like call that. It, they should call it that. It would be cool. That would be cool. Uh, I forgot what it's called, but it's like our star. Right. Yeah, everybody's uh, got the, the specialized the guy. Yep. Their nickel's oversized, just like Baylor's. So it's a guy named uh, – It's he's a guy from Ohio State. I think his name's Craig Young. He's about 6'3", 225, and he's pretty dynamic. He can't cover. He's not going to be able to cover our guys, right, as a nickel. So the reason – that's why they have the two safeties back there, right? So they're using that bigger nickel to play the run – and also disrupt and blitz. And then they've got these two safeties parked back who can also fill. And then they, they have really good corners. They, their corners are excellent. Yeah. And so that's the system. But if you've got three guys that you're a little concerned about getting manned up on, your nickel and both safeties, I got to think Sark has got something for them. So even if Kobe Bryant takes away whoever we line up outside, you know, he plays great you know, takes away A.D. Mitchell or Worthy, 
we still have other weapons we can move around and find those guys. And I think that's how we're going to attack them. And then if they're going to stay with two safeties back because they're worried, um, we're going to run the ball. Jonathan Brooks and CJ Baxter should be back. I don't think he's 100% though. And I don't think he'll be 100% all year. No, I mean, I don't. I mean, I, I like his, you know, his depth there. But I mean, I don't, I'm not super worried about him not being there if he takes his eight carries or whatever. That's fine. Uh, as long as Brooks stays healthy. But uh, just looking here, they got they have six picks on the year. Yeah, so six picks be, and a force be, fumble. Be interested to see if uh, Ewers can continue to uh, continue to protect the ball and sort of get away with some iffy Couple. pros at the same time. <laughs> yeah, a little little luck is uh, is played into that streak. But hey, there's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with it. I'll nothing, take it. Nothing wrong with a little luck. But uh, I I vastly prefer luck to hard work, Randy. I'm with you there, but, uh, <laughs> but no, I just, I just think there's matchups that we can exploit from an offensive standpoint and uh, defensively, I just don't see them unless we just get crazy and can't maintain, you know, sound responsibility. I, I don't, I don't see them being able to, to take advantage of anything in, in any large, I mean, I expect them to probably score some points, but I don't think it's going to come on just complete bust and stuff like that. I think it's going to be Daniels making some plays, getting down the field, and and uh, hopefully, you know, we stop him before they get to the end zone, contain him in the red zone, and make him kick field goals. Closer to scoring some points, and you say score some points, 14, 24, or 34? For Kansas? Yeah. 14. Ooh. All right. You're expecting us to I got him, shut him down. I got him under 20. Okay. Probably probably 17-ish. All right. Interesting. Uh, so two stats to throw at you. Outside runs. Kansas runs a lot of option. They run a lot of uh, speed option, halfback toss, and then tons of jet sweeps and all sorts of frippery around it. Averaging almost nine yards a carry on outside runs. Also, their quarterbacks combined, both Bean and Daniels, 83.3% completion percentage inside the hash. I think we have the ability to combat that. I think we're going to play two safeties just standing with their each foot. Their outside foot is going to be on the hash mark. And then we're going to say, I don't think we don't think you can run on us if we put, you know, an honest box. Yeah, I, I'd be. I think this is another game where you tell your defensive line to reestablish the line of scrimmage four yards in the backfield, like we did against Baylor, instead sure. of it instead of it being a get into your guy read and react type game. Yeah, I mean, I think I think it's blow them up and see what happens. Um, obviously, yeah, Daniels is a runner, but he's not. I don't think he's going to house at eighty on you. Um, so I mean rush lanes and everything are important, but I don't think it's a mill row type deal where it's, Hey man, if we miss one gap assignment, like see ya. Yeah. But, um, I'm assuming most of that's the tie ends over the middle or my incorrect on that, or just kind of everybody just, that's where they like to attack it. Their, their receivers run slants and posts and little dig routes. You know, they'll run clear outs and a little dig behind it. If they throw to the flat, they're throwing to the running backs or it's a stop route. Cause you're right. You're, you're fearful. They can throw. Uh, so Daniels is two of eight on deep throws outside the hash. Two of it. You know, the two he hit were for both like 40 yards. Right. But a little, he's not as comfortable. I mean, he's a college quarterback, right? He's, mm -hmm. he's a good thrower, but he's much more comfortable throwing between the hashes. Just like Quinn Ewers, our guy, right? Yeah. Two, I mean, two of eight on deep ball. I mean, it's not – I mean, it sounds bad if you think about it, but, I mean, average deep ball, like, average is, like, 33% and goods, like, up into the 40s. So, I mean – Yeah. It's it's not – I mean, he hits two more, and I mean, he's right there. So, it's not like you can be like, oh, this guy can't throw the deep ball. No, no, um, no. I think he is more accurate than than arm strength, though. Yeah. Um, much more that he is more elusive than – you know, a skilled runner. I, th I think, you know, it's more of a pick his way through the pocket and sort of snake his way. But um, 
It wouldn't surprise me to see a lot more Catalan this game. Yeah. Come downhill. Um, just for the the middle of the field presence and hey, I think he's the the perfect guy to play, as you said. Hey, you stand flat footed twenty yards deep and trust your instincts. Cause he yeah, can, I like Jalen. He can, I like Jalen doing f- that. He can he can fill that hole from twenty deep, flat footed, and you got a two yard gain. He even is, if they even if they block it correctly. He is John Heacock's wet dream. Oh, 100 percent. Yep. Like Very stand well way back there, and then you're you're our C gap running forcer. Yep. And by the way, they thought they had like an eight yard easy run, and all of a sudden it's second and ten, and they're like, "Where did that guy come from?" Yep. Uh, so here's a question for you. We saw the. Do you know who? What safety played the most snaps of any safety against Baylor? I'm gonna guess Taff. Good guess. Freshman. Oh, okay. The Raptor, Derek Williams. So is this a game in a? So his physical traits scream play me against Kansas and this option yes. and um, you know ranging sideline to sideline. His inexperience says, don't put this guy on the field. How much do you trust him? Yeah, I don't know. We're going to find if out. You put, probably. If, you, if you put him back there next to uh, Catalan and sort of turn Catalan loose and then say, hey, if Catalan makes the wrong read, you're in charge of covering all this back here. Yeah. And I mean, if you trust him, that's, that's probably the two guys to play. Yeah. Kind of interesting, right? But without being there, I don't know. But I mean, that. I'd like to see it, see what happens. I'll say this. If he gets the most snaps of any safety again in this game, this isn't about a rotation anymore. No, it's... This yeah. is... We're trying to get our freshman guy to be our starter at one of the safety spots. And yep. some veterans are going to get phased out. Uh, which, yep. hey, if it happens because he's... like it's part, part if, of the game, if, man. If you're benching a good player, that's a great thing to have for your football team. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. This is where you make a baseball analogy about having depth in your pitching staff, but right. you back and I really appreciate it. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I'm not talking baseball until the freaking Astros debacle of getting in the postseason is over with. It's a joke. Is anyway, it good to get swept by the Royals? <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> good competitive there, spirit, there. Astros. They're like, hey, everything's uh, still on the Astros court. I was like, I don't think we won in the Astros court because uh, they haven't done so well with that. No. But anyway. Uh, all right. Well, Stros still have a chance. They're going to go to the wild card, aren't they? No, oh, the, uh, if they don't get in, it's going to be one of the most epic collapses of all time. <laughs> I mean, they. Yeah, they should be fine. Well, as long as they promote Dusty to GM after the season. I'm I'm good with whatever happens. Boy, speaking of sponsors, I think Gabe would have something to say. Gabe might go <laughs> down there and talk to him on that one. But yeah, hey, when y'all call or text Gabe, make sure you say, um, "Hey, how do you feel about Dusty?" And you'll yeah, you'll get up, you'll get you'll get half an hour on stuff that's not mortgage related. Yeah, bring up Dusty and Maldonado uh, at all <laughs> po- at any chance you get, and it'll it'll be worth your time. I promise. He'll take a quarter point off your loan if you do it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> All right, man. Hey, rest of the Big 12, we're only a game into Big 12 play. You want to talk about broad overview of who you think the contenders are, or do you want to talk about the actual games that are coming up? Yeah, let's go broad overview because I I pulled up the stats uh, a little bit yesterday. I'm looking at them again right now. The bottom, just overall offense and defense, not getting too far in the weeds. Like the bottom is who you would expect it to be, right? You got Baylor at the bottom, Iowa State, Houston, all that good stuff. Oklahoma leads the conference in offense and defense, which they've played nobody, and they're going to play nobody except us. So that's probably going to hold true the rest of the time. But uh, UCF and Kansas State being two and three in offense so far is uh, a little interesting to me because I didn't expect that. 21 touchdowns, 19 touchdowns, 39 and a half, 38 points a game. TCU's up there in offense as well. So, I don't know. May need to rethink the UCF and TCU deals as the next couple weeks go, you know, go forward and see how they're faring in big, big 12 play. Yeah. So, I watched Chandler Morse in the skillet 
bowl or whatever it's called when they play SMU. He's the lodge, improved. The Lodge Skillet Bowl. Yeah, he's improved. He's he's much calmer now. He's he's throwing in more accurately, and Bryles isn't running him as much, which is mm-hmm. smart. Probably so, helpful. Yeah, so I think TCU could be decent for sure. Um, and then Baylor is going to stay in the bottom half of the league, but when Shapen comes back, they're going to be able to beat some of the other bottom teams. Yes. Or at least be competitive. Because right, with Shapen out, they're the worst or the second worst team in the league, right? Yes. Is Tech going to go like four and eight, or are they going to rally and go like six and six and go to a, a minor bowl and pretend that this was all still a great year? I'm going to go off script on tech here right now. We're really going to honor Mike Leach. Yeah. Like you guys go crawl back in your hole. Like seriously, write a check. If you want to honor him, that's sad. So they're going to have, um, but anyway, I hope they go four and eight, but I think they're probably going to end up. I think they're better than what they've played so far. I I think they're a lot closer than team that, that took Oregon uh, to the wire than they are the other weeks they've showed or haven't shown up yeah tyler shuck though was at least a part of that and they were running him about 20 times a game as sort of their cheat code when they couldn't come up with a play i don't i mean shuck has limitations baron morton went in he looked bad he got lit up too against west virginia and apparently he's not feeling too good this week so we'll see well if if they have issues there then four and eight's on the table four and eight's on the table Um, they don't have a quarterback much like it is for anybody, but um, I'd, I'd be shocked if they don't figure out a way to at least scare a bowl game this year. I just, I don't, I don't see that being the case, but I don't, know, maybe if, if Morton, if, well, first of all, if he didn't play well, they're in trouble. And if he's hurt and they're on third string, uh, then they're definitely in trouble. I'm not blown away by Cincinnati or BYU. No, that's the, I was looking at Cincinnati. Cincinnati's right in the middle on offense, right in the middle on defense. I don't, I don't I think they're uh I don't I mean if if you don't show up I think they can scare you for a half but I don't think we need to be worried about them. Yeah. BYU, I love their tight end. This dude Isaac Rex. He's about 6'6" 270 and he's catching between 5 and 7 balls a game. So he had a big game against Kansas actually, mm-hmm. which a different type of tight end than Jatavian Sanders. But JT Sanders may not go seven catches for 76 yards. He may go four catches for 100 yards against Kansas. Correct, right. So um, UCLA, yeah, really. I think, is tricky. But Kansas, I don't know if you saw what Kansas State did to him. The DJ Giddens rushed for like 230 yards. They just kept handing the ball off. Yeah, I, th- I think UCF is a scheme team where they're going to they're gonna pick three to four games. Super Bowl. the big t- Yep. And then they'll they'll probably lose to Baylor tomorrow, right? <laughs> like with very, very much fits that you know fits that mold. Uh, I, I haven't well, seen I haven't seen BYU enough to really have an opinion of them one way or the other. I mean, I know their typical, you know, makeup or whatever. Um, they're slow. If that game was there, I'd probably be more worried. Yeah, they can't run. Yeah. Uh, actually, this is a good way to frame it up. Iowa State OU Saturday in, at Norman. Uh, could this? All right, here's here's big picture. Me being a simpleton. OU's played four games. Two of those games have been have been against wretched teams that they absolutely blew out. You know, yeah, they played congrats, they played air. Congrats to them. Then they played two teams with a pulse. Uh, SMU's. Pulse plus. They're actually probably above average, right? Fourth quarter, fairly mid-fourth quarter, that game was 14-11 OU. Okay, then OU scored two touchdowns to make it look like, oh, we controlled the game the whole time. Then they go to Cincinnati, and they win 20-6. to And Cincinnati's interior defensive line, as I talked about, gave OU some problems. Now, Cincinnati's offense was horrible, and OU just stoned them, so they were never at, at risk. But against two teams with a pulse, OU's offense is averaging 24 points a game. Okay? 
Does ISU have a defense? Whatever you think of their their wretched offense. Yes. They do. So why is OU a 20-point favorite? Should they be should they be a 20-point favorite? Or are they just counting on ISU's offense slitting the team's throat so many times that Oklahoma just wins 31 to 7 or something? Yeah, I mean, I gotta think that's the the thought process there. Either that or people thought it was Iowa instead of Iowa State, one or the other. So let me show you some bets I made and you tell me what you think. I made a couple of bets on the line with Iowa State and OU, but pretty small bets. On the line, like in the internet? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That on the line. Okay. That on the line. Sorry. Uh, And then I made my bigger bet, which was this. Home team, OU, 35 points or less under. Is that total or just offense? Just OU's offense. I like that bet. Yeah, I do too. Well, obviously (laughs) you like it. Uh, Yeah, I do. Yeah, I don't see them scoring five touchdowns against Iowa State. Not on on offense. That's it. Here's how they do it. If they get the ball to 10, yeah, if they get (laughs) the ball to 10, yeah. Yeah, yeah, when when they're returning an interception, you want that guy to score, not go out of bounds at the five. Flash forward to our next pod after the weekend of games and OU gains 270 yards and Dylan Gabriel looks terrible against ISU and they win 38 to 10 because they had three uh, non-offensive touchdowns, right? But anyway, I still like the bet. So and I was no, surprised I, to see it. I thought that number would be 31. Yeah, I, I just... I What I've seen of them so far is... It looks like a team that tried really, really, really hard to fix his defense and thought the offense was going to be fine. And I don't think the offense is fine. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm counting on. And so, I don't know if you know this, there's early lines out on Texas OU. I saw that the other day. You put it out there. I'd hammer it. I You can get Texas minus four and a half at FanDuel. It's minus yeah. five at, um, I think, Bet Rivers is where I saw it. I think anything under seven, I'm all I'm all over Texas. Once you get over seven, hey man, it's the Red River rivalry. You you got to respect it, right? Uh, also, do you remember that year with with Ellinger, where OU sacked us nine times and basically dominated us? And I still think they only won the game by a touchdown, just because we Sam wouldn't quit and rallied us late, and we scored a bunch of you know like make up points late. So yep. that that can happen. I mean, it's it's a thing, you know. It's a weird game with wild swings, but anything under seven, I'm all over Texas. Oh, I agree. All right, West Virginia is going to be hosted by TCU. Did you see any of the West Virginia Texas Tech game? No, I did not. Neil Brown wants to stay employed, Randy. Yeah, he likes money and his job. Well, mine, three- probably didn't. We well, probably didn't like his job, but he likes money. He, he so. likes money. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't always like my job, Randy, but I like money. So yeah. I show up. Uh, they're three and one, man. And their losses to Penn State. And they didn't look like they were competitive. They, they, I mean, they, mm-hmm. they didn't get they, run off the field. Yep. They didn't get run, the game was never in doubt. Penn State was going to win the game. Correct. But they didn't get humiliated. They, they accounted for themselves much better than the Iowa Hawkeyes. How about that? The drive, uh, the drive for 380 or whatever it is doesn't look good for Mr. Ferentz. It's not looking good for him. Uh, if you guys don't know, Randy is referring to the contract that Brian Ferentz has. The son of Kirk Ferentz, the Iowa head coach. Brian is the offensive coordinator. He's contractually obligated to deliver 25 points per game average. And he doesn't just have to score it on offense. It's the whole team. And he is trailing that figure right now yeah. substantially. <laughs> Through non-conference and just getting into Big Ten play. <laughs> yes. So they haven't even played. Do they play Ohio State or Michigan? Uh, who knows? I don't <laughs> think it even matters. Play Michigan. Michigan will shut them out. They, they had will- to score with like three seconds left in one of their non-conference games last week just to get to 41. So all I got to say is watch out, Purdue. Iowa's, if they can no, get they're coming. down, they're uh, coming for yeah. you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's not going to be any knees taken. In the fourth quarter, uh, it's so comical, it's so stupid and ridiculous, but it's it's oh, it's, it's just oh, it's hilarious to talk about, but it's just such a stupid thing to put out there. 
but hey, All whatever. Right, so let me ask you. I think we've identified who we think the bottom half of the league is. Who's a contender or who can beat a contender realistically? Who are the contenders in the Big 12? I mean, I think you got to put K-State up there, but Will Howard's health plays into that. And not just his health of being able to play, but, you know, whether or not he can take full advantage of his his skill set. Yep. Because, I mean, if they have to do what they did against Missouri and, okay, you can't walk, so we're going to put in this other guy and have him run the ball. Um, I think that'll be sniffed out uh, pretty good. But that being said, it, I think they're well coached. I think I think they'll be good enough to hang in games and, and probably be veteran enough to win them late. I mean, Kansas is in there. I mean, OU's definitely in there. I just, like I said, they, they, their schedule is just so easy. You can't take them out of the equation, regardless of what you think about them. That's kind of it, really. So we got four contenders. The two my, Kansas teams. Yeah. <laughs> the yeah. two teams from Can- the Sunflower State and then Texas OU. OU's schedule is incredibly favorable. I also think they're probably one of the best four teams, just personnel-wise, mm-hmm. whatever. Uh, all right. So who are the teams that can ruin your party? UCF? Yes. TCU. TCU. Maybe Iowa State if they're if Rocco Beck improves at quarterback. Is that within I mean, the if, realm? If, no, is I that- mean, you're you're right. I mean, if Iowa State can get some sort of a semblance of an offense going, I mean. Just throw I, it 40 times a game. Yeah, especially if you have to, yeah, especially if you have to go play in Ames. I mean, we've yeah. seen that over the years. Um, it wouldn't surprise me to see Baylor if they shaping back, make some noise. Um, I don't think they're terrible. I just May, maybe Tech. That that's depending on quarterback play. Once again, they just haven't looked good. But I I just I have a hard time writing them off. Um, because I mean, take aside the boisterous nature of that fan base. I do think it's a going into the year. I thought it was going to be a good football team. They just haven't been no for whatever reason, but they did give Oregon all they wanted in, in Lubbock at night. I guess kind of like Iowa state, those are the two preconditions required Lubbock yes. at night. Yeah. No. Do you, do you, do you have to play them there and what do they get out of the quarterback position? Yeah, I think that's fair. And then the rest of the league, are we safely writing them off one game into conference play? I mean, not completely, because you know people can improve over the course of the season. I just don't. I mean, I don't think Houston's going to turn over some magical stone and get better. Uh, no. I think BYU is just at an athlete disadvantage unless you have to go play at altitude there, and they 35-year-old you to death. <laughs> Cincinnati's not good. 35-year-old. Was I, was I too low? Was I too low? That's their team motto. Was I too low? They have t-shirts. Yeah. We'll go 35-year-old you to death. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okie's Okie's Tate. <laughs> They're no. done. Oof, boy. Yeah, I never some... thought I never thought I'd see that in my life as a Mike Gundy team just be that. So just... I Against every instinct in my body, I said they're going to go three and six in conference play, and I I took Oklahoma State under six and a half wins preseason because you you had a juiced line beneath, right? Uh, you got like plus I don't know one eighteen or something like you know you got extra points if o- OSU fails, and I was like, this the portal just they lost they lost the portal, and they don't. They're just not. I, don't, I think they lost a game that they didn't even play. Like, I don't think that they even tried to engage in the game. They just had a ton of people leave, and I don't know that they really went after anybody to replace them. Oh, they got a bunch of guys. 
but they're from like Utah Tech and Southeast Missouri it, State. That's what I'm saying. Like it's yeah, they brought in like oh, okay, addition subtraction. That like, one out, one in, but one out that was not an equal trade. Yeah, no, they 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 brought in a bunch of Paul Wadlingtons. <laughs> it's not good for your program. No. So, yeah, I think um, yeah, I think uh, old Gundy, the emeritus coach of the Big Twelve, I think he may be done. It'd be interesting. We'll see what happens, but it, it's not looking good right now. He he just seemed disengaged from engaging in the new world and kind of like a Dabo Sweeney. Yeah, I was about to say it seems like a Clemson move. But Oklahoma State, unlike Texas Tech, they didn't have an engagement an, or grassroots engagement from their fans or anyone or their administration, they were just like, Gundy's got it. He always finds a way. And it's like, mm, you know, at least give the guy half of a map and a compass if you want him to find the way. Let, let me ask you this. He wasn't is, interested in it. It's not like he demanded it and they wouldn't come through. This has been curious to me throughout, and I don't think we've talked about it yet. Spencer Sanders leaves to go to Mississippi and sit. Well, he didn't leave to go sit on the bench, but to go compete with basically – three guys, whereas he knew if he just stays there, he comes back. I mean, is that not a huge red flag to you? Or or you think it's just, hey, I'm tired of watching this guy get hurt every year and kind of mope around and do his thing. He can go. It, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It could have been. It could be either. I think Spencer Sanders got a bag for going to Ole Miss. Oh, and I'm then sure. I, think, I think he legitimately thought he could win the job. Over Jackson Dart, who well, you, apparently, I mean, yeah, you would hope, yeah, you would hope so that you know he would make that decision that way. And also, hey, where, when you have the opportunity to get a graduate degree from Ole Miss, you have to take that. It's, you know what I mean. Why are you laughing? And that was a that tickle in my throat. I oh, okay, lie. all right, all right, just making sure. Can't I don't I don't want to be on the record for that. Speaking of SEC quarterbacks, um, what's Auburn going to do for the rest of this year? The fans want Robbie Ashford, Randy. Well, the fans are wrong. <laughs> the guy but... who runs around and makes stuff happen. Well, their starter not ran always two, good stuff. <laughs> the starter ran two steps and fell down for a lot of that game. Yes. Well, that dude's seen you ever seen necess, uh, unnecessary roughness? Of course. Yeah. Blow the whistle. Blow the whistle. That was <laughs> him. It's like cut, drop. That dude was seeing ghosts before the game even started, but I mean, if you can tailor something to Ashford, I guess maybe so. But I, I thought the third guy looked better. But anyway, sorry, it's complete aside. But uh, we were just talking about. Well, hey, they only have Georgia in that direction. If you need to work out a new quarterback, you want to definitely play Georgia. A hundred percent, yeah. Although Georgia's sleepy, Georgia. It... Uh, they'll come out and yeah, they'll they'll play with their food for a little bit and then wake up and go. To I town. tell you what, man. I'm getting way ahead of everything here, but there is no clear team. And I, I'm not, I'm not scared of Georgia at all. There, there, there's nobody on the mountaintop this year that it's more of a plateau with about uh, seven, maybe eight teams that are kind of, I think still there's trying 10, to prove themselves. I think there's 10 to 12 teams with legitimate playoff really? chances right now. I think there's yeah. that many. Yeah. Oh, okay. I think the pack the pack has like three or four of them. I don't disagree with that. I just think they're going to beat up on each other, and it's they are. there's only going to be a couple that emerge. It's kind of sad. The greatest conference year they've had in I can I don't I can't remember like decades at least, and they're going to disband, and they're all going to cannibalize each other, and probably one team will make the playoff, and they probably might deserve two, with all transfer quarterbacks. With all transfer quarterbacks. <laughs> Which Caleb, is great. That's crazy. Every, all of them. Yeah, all of them. Oregon State's guy. You know, they're dark, the pack, pack dark horse, Bo Nix. Oregon, Utah, Colorado. Yeah. UCLA is now UCLA. starting their freshman, but they had two transfers they were starting. Right. Uh, uh, Washington State is Cam Ward homegrown? I'm nope. not sure. Okay. Mm-hmm. Holy shnikes. Everyone. All right. Well, if that doesn't nuts. tell you something about the new it's portal, nuts. the new yeah. world, it's. 
would also it also kind of teaches you hey get that guy in but maybe you don't go after the grad transfer yeah maybe go after the guy that you liked on film that's looking for somewhere and and give him a two to three year window yeah that's the ideal I'll yeah. still take Drake May on a grad transfer. Oh, dude, well, I think he, I think he's in a little different class than. If, than if, if he'd like to guys. come to Texas just for a year, just to kind of see yeah. what it would feel like, uh, happy to happy to host. Oh, you're him. gonna you're gonna get roasted for that, Paul. Oh, just everyone. How How dare you take the <laughs> solidified senior quarterback that would lead us to a national title instead of the freshman that's never played? <laughs> I, I saw it. his huddle, Paul. I saw his huddle. The best, are, the best are these game prediction threads if you read them on Inside Texas. So it ranges from I'm terrified, Baylor looks scary, they always play us hard, to how could you even have them within 70 of us? Yep. And it's like if Texas doesn't beat Kansas by four touchdowns, we're not, a, we're not the team we thought we were. Not a contender. Like, so I just put up the 2004 Vince Young fourth and 18. Yes. Yeah. And I just didn't even write anything. And I just wrote that Kansas team was four and seven and three people like liked it and everyone else just passed over like, ah, shut up. Nah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Everybody that, that thinks about making that post should have to go back and look at all past year schedules at the scores. Yes. Because there's there's been some close calls over the years, even in our best years and in in everybody else's best years as well. 100%. 100%. Georgia last year. Missouri. That was ridiculous. Yep. Uh, also, Ohio State clanked a field goal off the post. People kind of forget that part. And Marvin, Marvin Harrison Jr. went off the field with an injury. Yep. Uh, so this whole Georgia was inevitable, you know, greatest team. Oh, ever. no. Georgia makes that field goal. They're the, na- I mean, uh, excuse me. Ohio State makes that field goal. They're the national champions last year. No. TCU blows them out, bro. It's about matchups. Okay. <laughs> we'll we'll agree we'll agree to disagree on that one. No, I do, Ohio State wins. It's not sixty-five to seven, though. No, 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 no. And, and it's just uh, I it's still don't think it's forty-five to twenty-four. Yeah, and I don't think TCU was sixty-five to seven worse. Than no, Georgia. it just that game it just, just got it cascaded on them. Yeah, it just yeah. It was they Buffalo. weren't as good. They weren't as good, but it, it wasn't a sixty-point gap between those two. It, teams. it was Buffalo Bills, Dallas Cowboys in the nineties. Correct. I yeah. mean, the Bills were the second or third best team in the league, and yeah. you know, just it just game, happens, man. Game game experiences can can change a lot. Hey, speaking of game experiences, um, one of the things that you can do to help your team win, Randy, write this down. I don't know if you have a pen or paper or anything. I don't believe in pens. Okay, we shouldn't now bite your finger and use your blood. Um, But write this down because this is important. And all of you who might be considering going into coaching or you have kids who are going into sports, write this down as well. Football is an 11-man game on each side of the ball. And if you play with 10, you're at a distinct (laughs) disadvantage to your opponent. So... Just an FYI on that. And if you play two consecutive downs with 10 men, even if you stop them once, don't get cocky and assume you'll stop them the second time. So that's just a, a little PSA. I didn't know. I didn't know where you were going with that. But yeah, let's let's talk about that, please. So I did not notice that they only had 10 on the first play. On the second play, they lined up and I was like, why do they not have a defensive lineman on the right side of the field? Why is there a bubble? And then all of a sudden, <laughs> you know, we have like nose three and seven on the, the offensive right hand side. And I was like, are we inviting a run to that side? And we got some crazy ass. They, like, yeah, they have a crazy stunt. So they did end up. And I don't know if it was called or not, but the safety in the corner or safety and other safety or whoever came from that side came and almost made the play. Yeah. Probably because the offensive linemen were like, we're supposed to fire out. There's nobody here. So who do we block? Yeah. But then after the game, it popped up uh, on the on the highlights that they only had 10. I was like, well, that makes a lot more sense because uh, the fact that they wouldn't line up anybody on the offensive left-hand side of the center is probably not good strategy. Also, the, the Notre Dame players realized – and you can see they don't want to make a big commotion because well, yeah. they don't want to draw the attention of Ohio I don't State. Think you would even, hey, we only got 10 guys. We only got 10 yeah, guys. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you could see one of the D-line look at the sideline and like 
like wave his hands sort of like, yeah. hey, hey, hey. And he's making it look like, hey, what's the call? But yeah. what they're saying is we're missing a guy. And so after now, obviously, look, Marcus Freeman's the head coach. He's not in charge of how many guys are on the defense. There's someone on, in charge of the personnel package. Correct. However, I don't know if you saw this. He'd taken off his headset. Right before the line. Uh, no, I did not. But that's he, interesting. He took off his headset like, well, this is the final play. So whatever happens, let me hand the headset to this guy. So it doesn't get I'm, I need to go shake this guy's hand after the game. Whatever happens. Bet he doesn't do it again. No, I bet he doesn't do that again. And the explanation, and again, he's trying to cover for a staff member, but it's wrong. He's like, well, if we'd called a, if we'd run someone out there as a substitute, it would have been a penalty. And it's like, yeah, it's half the distance to the goal line and they have the ball on the six inch line. It doesn't matter. Yep. You, you'd rather play with 11. So, well, so and by, he'd already burned his timeouts with nonsense earlier in the half but burning the timeouts is a problem but the other thing too that and i didn't think about this at the time but i saw as well is if you run somebody out there and he's on the other side of the line of scrimmage but doesn't contact anybody it's a free play for another day so you really need free play for ohio state i mean yeah that's what i meant sorry but uh you really need some sort of <laughs> who would have ever thought about this but you need a call from the sideline where you just like throw a red piece of paper in the air and your cornerback needs to go like attack the wide receiver, get the call or get the offsides call. Now, you know what you do? Your defensive, the nose tackle, grabs slaps, the ball. Just slaps the ball. Yeah. Just grab the ball. Yep. Pick it up. I just think it'd be easier to get the cornerback's attention than the nose tackle. But if you, to your point, if there's a guy standing up on the field on the defensive line going, hey, what do I do? Like, I bet Notre Dame moving forward has a signal from the sideline that says jump off sides and hit the guy in front of you. Grab no, grab the ball. Like yeah, they're just grab, like the yeah, coaches just, are on the sidelines grabbing their balls, pointing at them. Yeah, yeah just if, just hold if, it. And yeah. if he was an Aggie, he'd be like, Yeah, I know it's an important moment. We all gotta grab our balls and squeeze. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm saying there's 10 men on the field, coach. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, kicking the ball out of the way is a good idea. Yeah, that I literally would tell my guy, grab the ball, yeah, pick just hold it up. It. And literally do not allow the referee to take it from you until yep. we get our guy on. Oh, that was unreal. And so earlier, and this the bummer of all this was Notre Dame outplayed them most of the game. And before that, at the, like I think around the two-minute mark, Notre Dame had a third and long. And they have the lead. And they just ran the ball. I mean, why yep. do you have Sam Hartman there? If if you if he yep. makes a good throw, you win the game. You get a first down. Do you're, you want to win? The, do you want to go win the game, or do you want it to have to come down to whether or not you can put eleven people on the field? Well, and by the way, if Tyler Buckner's your quarterback, hand the ball off on third and twelve. Yes, I'm I'm cool. It's freaking Sam Hartman. You didn't you didn't go get him to do that. You didn't go get him to do that, and like play the game. And what's what he's going to throw a pick six like give me a break yeah it was just there's a i've seen yeah, freeman yeah, and that if, staff fold well, if you're going to play if you're going to play the game that way then you should have taken whatever in our money you gave to him and given it to two middle linebackers and a defensive tackle or, or sure. whatever yeah yeah there's there's yeah, no I reason just, to have that guy and then not use him it's like having tyree kill and use him as a decoy the whole game yep yeah, I, I want Marcus Freeman to succeed. I, I think it's good. Yeah, he seems like a good dude. Yeah, yeah, he seems like a good dude. And generally, I mean, people overdo this, but it is good for college football when Texas is good, when Notre Dame is good. Yes, hundred uh, percent. It's good even when Miami's good. Yes, you know, to play the villain. Um. So here, let me pick your brain on this because this is something that's been talked about a lot or whatever. Would you rather in a vacuum? have Lance Leipold, who has been a head coach at Division Three, Division Two, Buffalo, wherever, where he has been making these decisions for the last 20 years. Yeah. Or promote your defensive coordinator who, while he's probably paying attention to it, and I'm sure he's talking to Brian Kelly about, you know, hey, what are you thinking about in these situations? Like, there, there's no substitute for doing it. None. They don't have the reps. And, you know, it's like and, you and I have joked about, there's 14-year-olds who play Xbox. Yes. 
who they have more reps Clock than management. Cuban. And, and yep. people laugh at that, but hey, poker. You know, that's my poker analogy. People laughed at all these video poker dorks taking on the old pros, the seasoned dudes who used to have guns pulled on them, right? And these video dudes crushed them yep. because they have more reps. So I think there's something to that. That said, not to pick on Freeman exclusively, generally speaking, most coaches are abysmal at these sort of tactical you know, end of game, more ambiguous situations, right? And then every now and then they surprise you and they do the right thing. So I saw an NFL coach, uh, they were down 14, went for two. He scores. So now that it's the, it's, you know, 14 to six, he goes for two, 14 to eight. Then he goes, scores again. They kick the extra point. They win by a point. And so at the time, the announcer's like, why would you go for two here? You need to make this a one-score game. And just like, no, no, he's trying to win the game. He's not trying to go to overtime. Yep. And if he didn't get the two-point conversion, because two-point conversions are about 50%, right? Right. If you have good plays, the two-point conversion can be 60%, 70%. If you have something sweet, you've identified in them. So his thing was, if we go for it and miss it, it's 14-6. If we score again, we'll go for two again. And right. odds are, we'll probably get that one, Right. But he's trying to win the game. If I get the first two-point conversion and I score again, I win the game. There is no overtime. There is no ambiguity. And that's exactly what happened in the game. So I, I see stuff like that. and It, gives, it like heartens me a little bit. Yep. But then I see the, the Marcus Freeman Notre Dame last three minutes of the game, clock management, timeouts, like the not letting Hartman throw on third down. Just it's weird. I don't get it. And I would think that head coaches would spend more time on it. Like, why wouldn't you spend three days just looking at it? Like, Bill Belichick apparently is just a freaking nerd about all that. Like, constant, like, what would we do in this situation? And he just runs it off his staff constantly, right? Why did, why did we have two head coaches that didn't give a shit about special teams? Yeah. Like, seems so easy, right? So, yeah. Or not easy, but just so obvious. I don't know. Maybe I don't know. Time management. I I don't I don't have an look, answer for it. Look, but yeah. I I think more than ever, recruiting takes up more time for head coaches than it ever has. Well, you're you're recruiting everybody on your roster as yeah. well as your recruits. So yeah, <laughs> and everyone right. else's roster. <laughs> you're right. Yeah, you're recruiting every eligible Division One football player. Yeah, and ineligible as well. Yes. Um, yeah. But. That can't fully be the excuse because clock management was bad in the 70s and 80s. It's, it's always not been good. You're right. I just, it's really interesting. I, I would love to, I don't know. I know there's a feel part of it too. There's not a, just, a, it's not just statistical yeah. analysis. I, yeah, I agree with that. Some people are better. Um, if, if you feel like you've got something up your sleeve, it's just a different, motivation to go for it for two right yep but it's just hard for me to watch like when colorado state played colorado jay norvell had two circumstances where he could have won the game right one like you get the ball with two minutes like you know, like go for it on fourth down you you were on the colorado it's fourth and two they were like on the colorado 40 38 or something Yep. And he punted the ball. And that's when they drove and they tied up the game. Go for it on that fourth down against a defense that frankly is not great. And you get a first down, you win the game. Yep. You, you controlled it. It's all in your hands, right? Fine. Punted the ball. They go. And, and then first overtime, Dion screws it up and lets Colorado State have the second possession in the first exchange. Colorado goes, scores. Colorado State goes and scores. Tie game. Go for two. Yeah, 100%. Go Absolutely. for two. You're not supposed to you be haven't run. You haven't run your two-point play yet either. Go for two. Yep. Win the game. Don't even give them a chance. It just drives me crazy. I'm not trying to drag I'm, into the local Colorado State, Colorado politics. but I'm with you. I was about to say, you better be careful up there. <laughs> I'm sure there's... Dozens of fans that will be willing to find out where you live. Possibly 50 to 100. It's possible. Yeah. 
but no, yeah, the one thing all fans to some extent are bandwagoners. And the, oh, the yeah, bandwagon is the bandwagon's filling up in Colorado. Uh, it's going to empty out a little bit over the next few weeks. So, yep. So. All right, man. Hey, anything else we want to talk about? You have a score prediction? Anything you want to say? Any wild hairs? Any player that's going to be key or crucial for Texas or Kansas? I'm, I mean, it goes without saying, but I think Ewers um, is probably the key to whether or not we win this comfortably or if it's close in the fourth quarter. But I, I just don't see a scenario where this is a game we sweat for very long. Wow. Got confident, Randy. I like Conf- it. Confident Friday, Randy. All right. Saturday morning, Randy will be texting me like, do you, uh, do we have any injuries? Is everyone good? Yeah. <laughs> what are you hearing? <laughs> All right, man. Hey, for Randy Boone, I'm Paul Wadlington saying, hook him. Hook him. Do you need a realtor in Central Texas? Of course you do. We all need a realtor in Central Texas. Even those of us who live in Dallas or Houston or San Francisco or Denver, Colorado, you need to go to Central Texas anyway. And the reason is Laura Baker is a fantastic realtor. She's great at what she does. She's a member of the elite Andy Allen team for Keller Williams. You can reach her at 512-784-0505. Talk with Laura if you're thinking about putting your house on the market. This is a great time to get market comps. Uh, If you're looking to buy in the market, you need all the help you can get. Call Laura and it's 512-784-0505.